Uh, welcome back, friends and scoundrels, to Word Wolf Unchained. I am Bran. And I'm Lynn. And this is Movies vs. Book. Movie vs. Book. Whatever. Uh, where I watch a movie and Lynn reads a book and we see if we can talk about it. What do we do? It. The wonderfully horrible It. Um, oh, we're supposed to do synopses, huh? Uh, yeah, I suppose that is a place I don't to know start. if I can really do mine, though, since mine's broken up into two movies. Should I do mine? Yeah, let's just do yours. Alright, so the synopsis, uh, just from the book, because it's difficult to break it up between two movies, without making it all awkward and weird, like it already is. <laughs> <laughs> can an entire city be haunted? The Losers Club of 1958 seems to think so. After all, when they were teenagers back then, these seven friends who called the small New England metropolis of Derry their home had first-hand experience with what made this place so horribly different. Every 27 years, something that has existed here for a very long time comes back to terrorize Derry, lurking in the city's storm drains and sewers, taking the shape of every nightmare and tapest dread. And yet, time passed and the children grew up, moved away. The horror of what they all experienced buried deep wrapped in forgetfulness. Now, nearly 30 years later, they're all being called back to Derry for a final life-or-death confrontation with the primordial evil that stirs and coils in the sullen depths of their mummeries. Of their mummeries. <laughs> <laughs> for the Losers Club and the thing known only as It have some unfinished business with each other. Yeah, I read that word for word. That's exactly how it's written. It's weird. Okay, it's that not... That one sentence is bad. It's not known only as it. It's known, known as Pennywise. Bob, Bob Gray. And Pennywise, the dancing clown. I don't know, that might just be a movie thing. What, Pennywise? No, The dancing the clown. No, nope, it's in the book. Is it? Okay. Cover up his face. Uh... Scariest thing in the book. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, anyways, in case you didn't gleam, I'm using the 2017 and 2019 movies because they're movies and not a miniseries. Yeah, I did that. That's my decision. That's my justification. doesn't matter. It's my show and it's my rules. <laughs> and I can change them if I want to. Speaking of which, going forward real quick, I'm going to start using Metacritic to make my decision when there's multiple things to choose from. Anyways. I had the dubious pleasure of forcing my way through this book. Hey, you did it in, what, three weeks total? <laughs> yeah. But you thought you were just going to break it up and read a little bit at a time each day and decided to just burn through it, so. I did, because it was boring me to tears. Literal tears. Ah, <laughs> uh, Concade and Stephen King. Anyways, uh, <laughs> shall, shall we do this? Yeah, let's do this. Other than bored, how did this make you feel? I don't know why it has to be other than bored. Bored is how it made me feel, but um, it is almost undescribable, but in a bad way. Well, in the, the story itself. Pointless? <laughs> uh, a bit confusing? There's, okay. there's just... Why? If I had to sum it up in one word, it's just why. That's how it made me feel. And I was a little more into the movie. I was very bored by the miniseries as a child. Tried watching it again just because was very bored by it still. So it wasn't a product of me being young and just 
not into it. <laughs> um, as far as like actual scariness or horror elements, rather, uh, I, I don't know. I, it's hard for me. I'm really desensitized. There are a couple things that were really disturbing, but after talking to you briefly as you were reading it for things that didn't matter to this conversation. I, I kind of realized that it's it is it's pointless. There's no stakes. There's no nothing really going on outside of. There's not really any like fear factor. It's nothing really scary happens. I mean, there's like maybe like a half an in, of an intense moment. Well, and a lot of that's. Um, lost because it just repeats a lot of the same stuff, right? Yeah, it repeats a lot, and so much of it happens is just, you know, background things like this blew up and this person was decapitated, and it's got a bit of a gore factor, I guess, because it's crude and disgusting, but it's more in a childish way. Yeah. Um, I don't know, there, there are a couple things between the two movies that got me. Honestly, I think the second one had a couple things that got me a little bit better. Like, um, when he's in the fun house, because Bill chases child back to the thing, because Pennywise like, I'm going to eat this kid. And one of the very few instances where there's actually something at stake in the movie so it's pretty good. And it, and it does, but he's behind, you know, funhouse glass, which isn't exactly thin, and he's just smashing his head into it. And he's Pennywise, a.k.a. it, and pain doesn't really matter to him, so he's just able to put everything into it. You'll find out tomorrow. <laughs> I'll have to, because I don't recall. I don't no, it's, it's one of those things that didn't happen in the book that was just in the movie. So, well, because really Pennywise as the clown is very little featured in the book. As the clown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think that's something that could have been done better in the movie. They play with it a little bit, but not. It's almost too subtle sometimes, and they don't actually do it in enough interesting ways for it to matter. Like uh, Mike's giant bird has orange pom-poms on his tongue because you can totally see me struggling out there in the podcast <laughs> I, I i got nothing on that I, I mean there's a bird thing at some point when he's talking about the history of it um but yeah it just getting into it, it as kids uh we can we can talk about it here as kids, it doesn't really matter because all of a sudden, he's supposed to be feeding on children and dairy for a year, right? Yeah. A year, two, give or take. So, all of a sudden, he like he shows up at the beginning of the summer and then decides to just mess with these kids. And he does eat some other kids as background stuff, but it doesn't make any sense like he has all these moments where he could just eat these the losers club kids 
especially before they get together, and doesn't. And that just doesn't make any sense to me. It didn't make sense to me in the book either, because he kind of just taunts them, and it, it made me think of uh, the you caught me monologuing thing. Yeah. Like, he's just... Whatever. Could have killed them many times. Yeah. Just didn't. Uh, like, that's that's not how he operates with any other, other people that he kills in throughout the story. Uh, with Georgie, he lures him in and messes with him a little bit, just enough to get the fear ramped up in that moment, and then he fucking eats him. Same thing with um, the little girl under the bleachers. I mean... Because... Which, that one, in the movie, that one bothers me. Does that happen in the book? What? Little girl under the bleachers. I honestly can't remember. Uh, she's technically the second one uh, when they're adults. Oh, there's so many dead people tabs in this book. But his little girl and her mom are at this baseball game because mom wanted to go to baseball game. And the little girl gets lured under the bleachers by um, a firefly. And Pennywise is down there, and they share a little moment. Although it's weird because he starts his fear drooling, but he isn't doing anything to actually make her afraid. And bites her face off. But it, it kind of explains why he doesn't just kill them in the book. Because after they hurt him at um, the house on... Nibble. Yeah, when he's the where the teenage werewolf, and they shoot him. After that, because it's the first time he's felt hurt and felt fear, fear himself. himself. So now it's not about just killing them. He wants them to suffer. But I think prior to that point, he had an opportunity to kill them anyway. Well, yeah, because they're not in the movie. At least they're not together. As a group until the rock fight. Yes. And he interacts with all of them before that. Although, I know Mike gets interrupted. But even so, he usually does a really good job of isolating them. But Ben and the... Uh, so, in the movie, Mike's situation gets interrupted by Henry... Then Ben is in the library and he gets lured downstairs. But then the librarian randomly follows him downstairs. It's considerably different. Um, but he starts running away and then he runs into the librarian. So Pennywise can't do anything there. He has a chance with Eddie. Because there's no external interruption there. Uh... Bev's interaction is weird because he's not actually doing anything with her. He's just taunting her. He's already doing the taunting thing, I would say. Because her first interaction is in the bathroom. The blood from the sink? Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill's might be a little bit weird or difficult to explain to you because it's in his own basement. If I remember correctly. Maybe I should have took notes. In Georgie's bedroom? No. Then I can't help you. 
Maybe maybe it starts off in Georgie's bedroom and through the pennyscape, through the itscape, we end up in the basement. Because Georgie's photo book bleeds and his picture moves. No, I think that's different. I think it's different in the movie. <laughs> um, see so who else is there? Richie doesn't interact with him at all until in the movie they're looking at a slideshow. So Richie is essentially Glenn from Nightmare on Elm Street. Not that that means anything to you. That means nothing to me. <laughs> and who else am I missing? Stan. Stan. And Stan, like he's in his dad's office and yeah, they... They have to change it to make it more relevant for the time for some of them, but it, some of them are just kind of forced, like stands. So, uh, Stan's thing that he's afraid of is this flute woman painting in his dad's office, which is a weird painting. Yeah. Kind of abstract-like. But, and I mean, it's it's a creepy picture, but it's just... We're not given any meaning. He's just afraid of it. And like, poor, I, I feel bad for Stan in the movies because in the movie because he doesn't really serve a purpose. He's just there, other than to be whiny. Yep. And that's 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 not just Stan in the movie. That's Stan in the book too. Uh, I think he gets a little bit more in the miniseries, but I don't know because I didn't watch it. Um. Uh, let's see here. Bill is focused on Georgie and his guild, which I think is still pretty true to the book, right? Yes. It's just played out a little bit differently, maybe. Yeah. Um, Bev's is her becoming a woman, essentially, and what that means with her father. Ben's fear in the movie is uh, random stuff again, like. He's he's the one flipping through dairy history, and he's looking at stuff about the um, factory explosion, and or the old mill or whatever. Yeah. And he just sees a headless kid in it, and that becomes the thing he's afraid of at the moment. Because I can't remember Ben, either Ben or Eddie. So I got them confused. One of them, it's the mummy, and the other one is just Pennywise is standing on the canal and the balloons are blowing against the wind. Oh, um, probably closer to the miniseries. It's his dad, I think. Or something. Or maybe that's just a miniseries thing. I don't know. Ben, Ben. That might just be a miniseries. I don't know. Ben doesn't have a dad. Because his dad died. Mm. So it's his dad's corpse, and then it becomes a zombie, and then it becomes Pennywise and balloons and stuff. Um, which, why, why couldn't you do that one too? Other than, you know, we want to do something different. Like, you could still do it different. I know, but we are... Way off topic. Well, let me finish real quick, and then we'll go into characters. <laughs> <laughs> um, where was I, Ben? Eddie is a hypochondriac, and his 
thing is a leper. Which yes, stand in a as a muppy. Muppy? Is a mummy? No, there was there was the leper too. Ben might have two though too. Maybe that's what's confusing me. Because now that I remember, it's the leper. Um, who else is there? Richie, like I said, doesn't really have one until it's needed, and then it's just clowns. Paul Bunyan. And, yeah, they don't do anything with that in the first movie. Mm. And they only mess with it in the second movie because they didn't know what to do. They really messed up with the second one. I got some ideas about that. I got some feelings about that kind of shit, but that's not what we're doing. That's not what we're doing. Um, all right. And who's who's left? It's Stanley. Oh, Mike. Mike. Uh, for Mike, it's his parents, cause they were in this house and it caught on fire and burned down, and they were trying to get to him, and. By the time they got the door broke down, their hands were all melted and blackened and stuff from burning. Gross. Yeah. Rather than a bird that attacked him when he was a baby, so it's a repressed memory and something he doesn't even remember being afraid of? Hmm. <laughs> At least it's given an explanation. Like, so there's, what, the three characters, or two characters that are just... Three, because Richie, it just... This is what we're saying they're afraid of, so that's what they're afraid of. I mean, they had no problems making these movies long either, so, like, why not add that extra little bit to explain it? I mean, they've got or reasons. Give it some weight. And like you said, yours were all interrupted. Not all of um, these first encounters in the book were interrupted by an external thing, and some of them they got themselves out of it to kind of hint at the powers that fight against. Pennywise, like Stan gets himself out because he's got dead bodies coming at him and he starts chanting bird names. Hmm. Because it's calming to him? I or guess. Or something that he's not afraid of or whatever? Yeah, the notes I made on it is it's kind of, it's, it's their talisman. It's the thing they believe in more because it's their belief in something stronger that drives it away. That's why it's should be harder to fight Pennywise when they're adults because adults lose their belief. Or they're more ingrained. Alright, moving on to the next question. Were the portrayals of the characters realistic to the setting? To the setting. And, you know, and their qualities and the choices they make. Uh... I'll go ahead and start. I think for the movie, they definitely are a little bit more. Because... Other than Richie, it's they're only really crude as children. When they become adults, Richie's the only one that stays crude because that's just his nature and he's a comedian. And, you know, given how Derry is, even, even when they decide to be the full Losers Club after the rock fight and everything, um, there's still a lot of selfishness in them too. And that's something that they really have to fight with as adults in the movie. Well, not necessarily selfishness, but self-interest. Hmm. I mean, I guess they behave like children when they're children. And then you know, when they're adults, their personalities are, for the most part, just the same. They still 
behave in the same way, and once they get back to Derry, they revert back to their roles. The tank, the healer, the <laughs> thief. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I guess, this, even as adults, they behave like children. But. Oh, it's hard, too, because, like, as adults, they're trying to, God, that's that part's a mess, too, but. Um, as adults, they're trying to remember things too, so you might, don't actually get a lot of their adult personality, because they're fighting with who they are versus who they were, and trying to consolidate the two. And they're only getting memories a little bit at a time. Yeah. Because Which... if they remembered it all at once, they'd pull a stand. I don't know if they'd pull a Stan. Uh, they would. Bill said so. No wonder Stan shot himself. I would have too if I had remembered this part first. Yeah, it's weird and murky. It it is. Like it is. It's not a very well put together story. I mean, I don't really know offhand what I would have done differently for a lot of things because. Not written it. It was all it's, unnecessary. It's easy to get very convoluted with it. Uh, is that all you got for the character portrayals? Yep, that's all I've got. Okay. Okay. Is the setting a character? Well, I hope so because I have tabs in the books for it. <laughs> it it very much is. It yes. It doesn't come as crossed as or crosses well in the movie because they just don't give room for that to happen much, and usually when something terrible is happening. Pennywise is actually in the background, or it is actually in the background. Somewhere, kinda. Again, thanks Bill the Expositionist, he comes out and says, Derry is it. And this is something that gets lost in the movie, too. Because when they actually defeat it as adults, it destroys like half the block or half of Derry or whatever. Yeah. Whereas in the movie, it only destroys the well house. And I think that maybe it wouldn't have made as much sense because they don't make Derry as much a part in the movie. It still is because they talk about how none of the adults care. And there's a moment where Ben's being bullied by Henry. And he's carving into his tummy. Yes. And some adults drive by. And they stare him down. They're watching it happen. And Ben's calling out for help, and they just keep driving. But in the movie, you see a red balloon pop up behind him. So it's more like Pennywise or It is forcing them to ignore it than it is just the nature of things. Yeah. It would have been a lot more... It would have actually been a lot more troubling if they didn't include the red balloon. Bill describes them as being ghosts. That no one really sees them. The because, kids? Yes. Because Derry is It. Any place we go, it's going to get us. They won't see. They won't know. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. I'm going to say it's a lot less of a character in the movie. Because a lot of times it is it directly influencing things. Well, it's it's it directly influencing things in the book, too, through dairy. It's like its vehicle. It, it, it. But... 
not in the same way, like I said, he's always in the background for those things. Or, like, the red balloon shows up to show. And that takes away from that implied element of it just being how things are there because of his influence. Because of its influence. <laughs> uh freaky moment. Sorry. <laughs> oh, here's a good one for you. How did you find the pacing? Uh, I found the pacing terrible. Just absolute terrible. It was a drag from start to finish. And it was made worse by the fact that anytime there were children, there were no stakes because it starts with them as adults, so I know they all make it out alive. Yeah. And the first couple chapters, it starts by telling me the character I'm about to learn about is dead. And they don't actually interact and fight with Pennywise until like a thousand pages in. I mean, they have their little one-person interactions, but they don't actually have confrontation. Yeah. Because really, in the scheme of this brick of a book, their individual interactions are just little couple-page blips, and they're not exciting. You don't really garner a lot of new information about it, I mean, I guess I guess you do. In Beverly's, you learn that adults can't see stuff, which means it's all happening in your head. Even though they have to clean up the bathroom? Yeah. And they learn from Stan and Eddie's... Or not Eddie. Richie's voices and Stan's birds and the silver bullet that there are things that hurt it. Oh, yeah, because Richie's an impressionist more than anything, isn't he? He is. He's not in the movie. He's just a crude, foul-mouthed little brat. And it's it's horrible to read, too, between all the uh, Bill stuttering being written out and all of And not Richie's... even just written out, but, like, every word he stutters on. Yeah. Because Stephen King turns everything up to 11. Richie's dumb voices and impersonations and all his random crap. There's just so much of it, and it's so annoying. And I hated it. <laughs> hated it. Uh. But I don't hate. I don't hate Bill. I don't. I love Bill. You had a lot of good arguments with him. I did. I did argue. With Bill. <laughs> but I do. I do love Bill. I just writing out. All the stutters, it made it difficult to read because I'm dyslexic, so it's hard enough anyway. Yeah. And that really fucked with me. <laughs> um, for the movies, I think it was paced a little bit better. Um, partially, we already touched on it. The book's also very repetitive. But it also lingers on characters that don't actually mean anything. Because you get how, how much time with Patty? Uh, or whatever Stan's wife's name is. Stan's whole chapter is from Patty's perspective. Which I suppose makes sense, but... But, like, I get you get her entire backstory, which is just... I don't care. I'm never gonna see her again. Uh, there are other characters that it does with, too, right? Are they characters that die? Uh... You get a lot of... With Eddie's wife, but she never comes up again. You get a lot of the backstory for, um... Frick is his name. I don't know. It was way back in the beginning. That's Georgie's death sticker. Hang on. 
Yeah, we might have to do another another episode on this. Nope, that's Stanley's death sticker. Hang on. <laughs> uh, Adrian Mellon. Mm, gay guy? The gay guy. You Which, get a decent bit with him. We get a decent bit with him, and I, I kind of get that one, I guess, because it's setting up that Derry is sick. But there are so many other instances of Derry is sick in the book that that much on Adrian was completely unnecessary. Is that because Henry and in his the crew, 80s, right? When Adrian happens? I don't know. You made me lose the sticker again. There are too many death stickers. <laughs> Well, it takes place... That's what kicks off the adults coming back, right? Uh, so it would be the 80s. 1984. Okay. I suppose that makes sense. Anyways. But I mean, um, I guess now that you mentioned that, I guess it is what part... One of the things, because there's actually in Mikey's inter... Mikey? Mike's interludes, he gives a lot of other stuff that's also happening besides Adrian. As background filler information, which is all plenty of stuff showing how Darius is sick. I don't know why we needed so much on Adrian. I, I wonder if King was trying to, like, if there's other characters like that that die that you get a piece of, if he's spending so much time on them to build a sympathy for them, so that way when they do die, you're supposed to feel bad for them. But it doesn't. He starts out dead. Adrian starts out dead. I don't know. I don't know either. It's hard to get inside that man's head. To begin with, let alone when he's on cocaine. I really hope the other books aren't this bad. Um, anyways, for the pacing for the movie, it's a little bit better because they break it up. And the first movie is just them as children, and the second movie is them as adults. And you don't have to linger on characters because you get... With the movie, you can force a lot more in there. So, like, the only extra people we really get in the movie... Is a little bit with Bill's dad in the first one. But that's not even to set anything up with his dad or anything. It's just to show Bill's obsession with finding Georgie. And then you get quite a bit with Eddie's mom. But that's important because it shows his character. And then it shows with his wife later how he essentially marries his mom. Yes. He marries his mom, Bev marries Henry. Her dad. Henry. And, uh, Bill oh, marries and, and you've Bev. Got Bev's dad, because, um, of his, uh, abuse in multiple ways towards her. Which, good job on the movie. It's very ambiguous if it is, does cross the line of sexuality. It, it, Implied pretty heavily, but it never explicitly goes there. But he is very sick towards her. I worry about you, Betty. I worry a lot. You still my little girl. And that's why I made the comment about her womanhood coming into womanhood and what it was going to mean with her dad. Because it picks up with her starting her period. Because this does a lot of that setup for the characters, too. Their lives and their relationships with other characters around them. It's just it's just too much. Those are the only ones that really get Mike a little bit. You get Mike a little bit. Um, Ben's is irrelevant, especially when he becomes an adult, because those roles switch between him and Mike. 
Um, Bill, the only thing you really get is that he obsessed with Georgie. Bev, you get quite a bit with her father. And that pays off with her husband later. Um, Richie is just Richie. You, nothing with him. But I don't think you really need anything else with him. Yeah, you get, you get too much too much of Richie. But you get, you get little bits of everybody. And there's like times when I like it. Because it it builds up why the why of Bill, yeah. I guess. Like, why they all love him and they all at various points say they die for him and why he's the leader of their little group even though he's, you know... But I guess if you're going to pick a leader of a loser... Kind of defaults to it in the movie, though. And just kind of... Passive aggressively bullies everybody into it. Now in the book, they they look to him, and they all at various points have internal monologues where they state the reasons rather than you know demonstrate it. But it also does demonstrate it too with uh, Bill because he's probably because of his stutter, he stops and thinks a lot because every word is difficult, so he has to know exactly what he's going to say, so he's more thoughtful. And he's charismatic, and uh, somebody says he's got a kind of strength about him. And I guess it shows the determination and stuff. And uh, With Henry, the first encounter with Henry as they're leaving school, I forget. I think he steps up there. But it's one of those, like, a couple more would be a lot better. Again, like, these movies did not shy away from their time, so... Why not just add a couple more? I don't think it would have influenced the pacing that much because the second movie is almost three hours long, and I'd, I, I think I'm in the minority, but I don't feel it. It doesn't feel like a three-hour-long movie. I mean, you kind of forget some stuff as you go along, but they do enough to remind you of it. Certainly forget stuff in the book as you go along. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Almost kind of like with the Dark Knight, when you like hit this point where it's almost the end, when he's about to capture the Joker, and then like, oh no, there's another half an hour. <laughs> this might be a short one. Philosophy or messaging behind the story? <sighs> I, I, when I was looking at this for my mini con uh, panel, it fit nightly into what I was talking about with the external forces controlling things and these different levels. But I don't think it actually means anything because there's no... They don't learn anything off of it. Yeah, they don't learn anything at all. I guess you could say, you know, bonds of friendship or the power of belief. A little bit there. But again, like in the movie, it only comes up and means something when they actually need it to. They don't actually play with that idea any at all throughout the movies. Especially when they're adults, like, none of the actual adult stuff happens in the movie that I think happens in the book. Which would have been so much better. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's really a whole lot there. I 
power of belief. Especially, like, I'm clouded a lot now because of the realization that it just, it, it doesn't follow its own rules, and it, nothing matters or means anything. Um, favorite part? Oh, I know. Mm. Don't do coke. <laughs> that is the message. <laughs> Don't do coke. Uh, Sorry. If you like, I this is one of those ones where Harry Potter is a great example of it, and this is a great example of the opposite. If you're gonna do this story, commit to doing everything. That's part of what made Harry Potter successful. I think they knew going into it that they were committed to doing all seven books. Or all seven years. Whereas this, they did the first movie and then waited to see how it was going to do before they decided to do the second. And it should have been shot back to back. And a lot of stuff got lost in there also. Because like the second one goes into places that aren't set up in the first part. They introduce things that aren't done in the first part, like the Beep Beep Richie. Well, that, that happens in the book, too. Like, up until the point that um, it's mentioned as adults, they don't use it as children. Beep Beep Richie? Yeah. They actually really don't use it as children as all. Is it's stupid. all when they're adults. But it's explained. Because... Well, I mean, it, it might work better in the book, but in the movie, it's stupid. Because... Um, there's a couple times in, in the movie when they're adults, when they say beep beep Richie, and you're just expected to know what it means. But the only time it's used in the first part is when Pennywise says it to him. And it's just a fucking Easter egg. So it doesn't actually mean anything. Yeah, because in, in the book, it's when they get back together as adults and they're talking in the restaurant... And it's one of the resurfaced memories. Richie's saying something, and somebody says, beep, beep, Richie. And then there's the internal monologue as it clicks in everyone's head. Oh, yeah. And that memory unlocks. And then they continue to use it just constantly as adults. But it, it when they're kids, they just flat out tell them to shut up. It's, shut up, Richie. Richie, shut the fuck up. Like, it... it Here's the other one. Is Richie gay in the book? I don't think so. He's made gay in the second part of the, of the movies. And again, there's no setup for it other than you could retroactively say that he attacks Eddie so much because he has feelings for him. But... I mean, I didn't get that impression. No, like they outright he's gay for Eddie. I mean, you don't really find out until the end, but... No. Because it just... He's not married. And it was, well, that makes sense. Richie's kind of a jerk and a gross piece of human excrement. And, uh... After Eddie dies, he just falls apart for it. And you'll love Bill Hader in that part. I'm only watching it for James McAvoy. But, and then he goes back and he's carving their initials in the bridge. 
and it's not reference. It's not there in the in the first movie either because you see, like, there's a shot where it pans over it, so you can see the carving. So it makes sense when Henry starts doing it to Ben, and their initials aren't there. Yeah, that's not in the book. What's the next question? Um, favorite part. Oh, jeez, and Pete's. My favorite part comes from the second movie when he's bashing his head on the thing, just because it it actually bothers me. None. I have none favorite parts. There are lines that I like, random lines that are well written and that are good. So you like the very well written parts. Probably when he's in that nice middle plane where right before you start coming down from coke. <laughs> yeah. It's usually point lines too that are just pointless and don't really have anything to do with looks a tiny guy. Anything. But there are a few lines. Yeah. Ah, the opening sentence. That was my favorite part. Um I like I like Bill Hader too. Can I, I I just I can't get into Bill's character, so I like Bill Hader as adult Richie. Great. I like Bill. Can I don't the get any of the my... internal. Yeah. Yeah, I like Bill, and Ben. I like Ben too. Ben's good. Ben is good. I, I can I can sympathize with Ben. I've been in his shoes, a few times. I like the unrequited. Ben. Yeah. Feelings. I like Ben and I like Bill. Um, I think I know this one, for you. Hmm. Would you reread or rewatch? No. No, no, no. I know. I kind of almost wish one of the libraries would have had this so we didn't have to buy it. Um, I might try reading it. I don't know. You'll fail. Probably. I'm, I'm not trying to be mean or down on you about it. You'll, no, I... You'll, you'll fail. I've plenty of books I've failed reading over the last few years. If I didn't have to read this, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have finished it. Well, you never would have picked it up to begin with, so. True. I, I don't know about rewatching the movies. We're going to watch them tomorrow because you want to see. I do. The difference. Making me read this book is your way of tricking me into watching these movies. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've done every one of them so far, haven't I? No, not Hellraiser. You didn't watch Hellraiser. But you wanted to watch Stepford Wives, and that one wasn't that bad. And did you watch Hell House? I did. Oh, yeah, because you wanted to see how it actually compared and if they did the things that you liked, which they did not. They did not. Um, I think you even ended up watching both of those ones, too. We did watch both of them. You're just tricking me into watching movies I don't want to watch. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to get you to watch Midsummer with me, too. Well, what book I do I have to read first? I think you'll, I think you'll be okay with that one. It's, I, I don't call it much of a horror movie, but that's a different thing. Um, after, after my sudden realization the other day after watching part one a second time in a week, just because there were certain things that I wanted to go back and look for, like the beep beep Richie and trying to pay attention to the bridge again and some other things, it, I was like, oh my, like I was watching it and it just hit me like, oh my God. Nothing in this movie means anything. Yeah. Like, it would almost be a little bit different if his teasing of them was 
like him attacking another child or something, something else happening. That would be scary. But no, it just all of a sudden he's just fucking with these kids and none of the rest of them. So I know we have favorite part. Do we have least favorite? Because there's just a big thing that I just hate about this book. Go for it. The memory loss. Now I kind of get it between when Pennywise is just injured versus actually dead versus when he comes back. That in between, I kind of get it there. Yeah. It's a blessings of a sort. It lets them grow up without these horrible memories or whatever. I kind of get it. Only kind of. But afterwards, after they kill it, makes no sense. Yeah. I don't know what's taking these memories away because it's dead, the turtle's dead. Or why that's even a good thing. Why you would want to forget. I understand that it's a horrible thing, but it's something you've overcome. It's integral to your character. It's a strength-building thing. Plus, you're forgetting these great friends that you love so much you would die for them. And it, 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 it makes no sense. And in in the book, too, like, why either it's the memory loss thing isn't going to work for Ben and Bev, or they're just going to wake up together one day and be all like, who the heck are you? And why are we here together? Because they go back to Nebraska together. Yeah, I mean, they get married and buy a sailboat. Doesn't happen in the book. They go back to (laughs) Nebraska together, and everyone else is already forgetting everybody. Like, that. Is it not going to happen to them? Are they not going to forget? Are they I only going to forget the bad stuff and just have really weird holes in their memories? I think they fixed that in the movie. Because Bill and, and Mike continue to talk. And they talk about Ben and Beverly getting married. And like they kind of have this loose communication still. But I, I have a problem with the memory loss thing anyways. Because it just it doesn't it, work. It doesn't work. It it doesn't make sense. I mean, dreams fade. It's probably something they would have written off as a nightmare. In all likelihood. Possibly. And I mean, they're still having nightmares about it anyway. All of their wives talk about you cry out in your sleep and don't remember anything when you wake up. Oh, the other thing that doesn't make sense. What is it that's making them all rich? I mean, it, it is influencing because it doesn't want them to come back. I suppose. Which is part of the reason why, like, they lose their memories is because it he does influence them. He doesn't want them to come back because he doesn't want them to, to defeat him. Up until the point that he calls them back. See, it's Mike that calls them back in the movie. It's Pennywise that calls them back through Mike. Nope, it's just Mike. Because he wants them to suffer. He wants his revenge. But it doesn't make sense. See, that's... Do they have the fight in the book where they separate for part of the summer? No. No? What, like the group breaks up? Yeah. No? Which is another time when, like, okay, now they're all broken and separated. Go get them now, Pennywise. I don't know, there's just... You'll see. (sighs) It, it, It veers drastically, but we don't really need to get into it because to conclude this... I don't think this passes. And I don't know why. I don't know why Stan is the one who enacts the cutting hands promise ritual when he's the entire time against doing this. 
And he drags his feet and he's all like, I don't, I don't wanna, I don't wanna, this is, ew, yucky, no. Yeah. And, and then he's the one who blows his brains out. Why was he the one who did the swear? I don't know, because in the movie it's Bill, which makes a lot more sense. I lost my, lost my thought there. Stan is, Stan is like almost a background character himself. He's, he he really doesn't mean anything at all. He's just there to cause those in the moment acts of drama of uh I don't want to. He's just there to be the one to die before they come back. Oh, that's so where have, I was going to go. And so you can have the magical number 7. Uh which doesn't mean anything because then there's six when they're adults. Five. Mike doesn't make it down a second time because he's in the hospital. Five is a magic oh. number two. Nope, it's six in the movie. They all go down. It veers drastically. It veers drastically enough that this is a fail. Because cause Henry gets Mike in the library when they're adults. Oh, nope. Richie gives him an axe to the back of the head. Eddie kills him in a hotel. Eddie stabs him in a hotel room, but he gets away, and then goes after Mike, and then Richie magically shows up, and... Oh, the magically stuff happening, too. (laughs) Because, like, Mike's in the hospital while they're down in the sewer, and there's an orderly who's trying to kill Mike, and Bill stops him in the sewers and says, Stop! Quick! Hold hands! Let's send our power to Mike! Where did this magical power exchange... (laughs) rainbow come from it, how how did you i don't like i don't like magic systems that don't have rules that's that's where they got it for star wars last jedi with um snow connecting ray how did he know how did he know to do that because the turtle's dead and not talking to them anymore uh, yeah i don't it, it it loses track of itself, and so because much of it is Steven unexplained. Lost track of himself. I prefer a well fleshed out magic system. They should have shelved this for a few years and waited for King to sober up. And like, all right, go back and reread this and fix it. We kind of like what you're doing here, but it's some work. <laughs> all right, I'm done ranting now. You can wrap this up. Um. Anyways, fail. Fail. Not just because it's a bad story. No, not because it's not because it's a bad story. This the, is... We weren't able to have a, a coherent conversation without saying, well, this is how it happens in the movie. Yes. Or this is how it happens in the book. They were too different. All right. Well, I forgot to do it at the beginning <laughs> again because I just wanted to get into it. Um, into it? <laughs> like, comment, subscribe, uh, share it around. If you're listening to a podcast, rate and review. If you are saying things, don't shy away from being honest about how you feel. So that way we can get better. If it's about my voice or anything, I can't fix that. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, till next time. Thanks for listening and toodles. <laughs>